Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you ready to hear a word from God tonight? I believe you're going to be blessed. I believe your faith is going to be transformed, changed, and challenged. You know, somebody said one time, said, well, you know what? Every time I come to church, I feel like I need to go further. I said, well, good. At least you aren't living in the past. You aren't living uh, in a stable place. You're living in a place that God is challenging you to be more than you are today. Amen? And that's what invokes change in our life. And I believe you're going to hear a word from God tonight that's going to change your life empower and stabilize and grow multiply your faith tonight so let's stand to our feet and let's give a good warm Bakken's welcome to Tim Shuttlesworth as he comes to preach for us God bless you man amen praise God I'll give the Lord Jesus Christ a hand he's worthy of all of our praise Praise God. Praise the name of Jesus. Well, the glory of the Lord is here. You may be seated. I want to first and foremost honor your pastor, his family for the many years. Just know this, God always starts with a man, never a ministry. Ministry is birthed out of covenant of God and man. This man is a covenant man. Give the Lord praise for your covenant man. God gave gifts unto men. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. You have one of the finest equippers anywhere. I'll just say that right up front and uh, I know my brother's been here I don't know who all has been here from my family but uh, I'll be in full-time ministry the spring of 2018 40 years and much of that has been in the pastorate associate or uh, senior pastor I've actually pastored uh, two churches and pi helped pioneer I pioneered one and helped pioneer another so uh, I've been in two churches within almost 40 years. Uh, associate pastor with my dad on a couple of occasions. He's with the Lord, went to be with the Lord about four years ago. He was a man's man. He was a preacher's preacher. He evangelized. He was always for the pastor, and he pastored as well. He was always for the pastor. He would take pastors to Israel. He would go to the church and preach. And the pastor would get up and say, now we're going to receive a special love offering for Brother Shuttlesworth. And then my dad would get up and says, listen, you don't have to, you don't have to love me to give. Just give. Because a lot of things I have to say, you're not going to like. But a real man, and I know this pastor, Brother Dosick, is that kind of man. He will tell you the truth. You know why? Because he loves you. He loves you. And uh, I know you love him. And I've heard the story of how this church started in a garage on a dirt floor and some, uh, I guess, fluorescent lighting. And then look at this beautiful edifice that God has blessed you with. And uh, glory be to God. And uh, always be mindful that God works with individuals. There's no two people in this church alike. 
You're all individuals. And God has placed a uniqueness in you that only you have, of course. And so never try to be anybody else but who God made you to be. I know that's hard sometimes because preachers want to be like other preachers because they see them in uh, uh, the light of success. But success is not always what we define it to be. Success is being obedient to the call of God on your life and doing what he's asked you to do. Can you say praise God? There's a message which is a principle. I'm a principled man when it comes to the word of God. God's about principles. He's about ethics. He's about protocol. He's, he's about honor. And I've come to honor this house, but honor the headship. For when the priest of Israel was anointed with the oil of the apothecary, which was a mixture of beautiful oils, you could smell the priest. And it wasn't a... Uh, it wasn't a horrendous odor, it was a pleasant odor. Now today we have essential oils, but that all started with the priest. When he walked near you, you smelled that wonderful sweet savor, almost like cinnamon and a mixture of wonderful uh, Middle Eastern oils. But the oil was poured on the head first. The Bible says that the unity of God starts at the head that he wants all his people to be in unity. But you have to understand everything has a head. There has to be direction, visionaries. My father always said anything with two heads is a freak and needs to be in a sideshow. Churches have one head, that's the pastor. And you honor the head. So when God began to put together the, the tabernacle and the order of worship, he started with the Levites and the priests, and they had to be anointed. There had to be a certain uh, criteria and protocol. And so when they anointed the head, they started at the head and, of course, poured the oil. The oil saturated the face, the beard, ran down to the garments, saturated the garments into the very, uh, the very hem of the garment and then spilled out on the earth. So just as the dew of Hermon is in the northern part of Israel, and it's snow peaked, snow capped, and then as it melts, it feeds the Jordan River Valley and comes down to the Sea of Galilee and then on down to the Dead Sea. Now, the Dead Sea has no outlet, so it's dead. It has a lot of wealth in it through potash and chemicals and what have you, but there's coming a day when God is going to bring the Dead Sea alive and there's going to be an outlet to it and it will be teeming with fish. Right now, there's nothing in there that's alive. But God is going to bring to life every dead thing in the new season of the millennial reign. Can you say praise God? So if you don't like what's going on in America or around the world now, you just wait. Jesus is going to come and rule and reign for a thousand years. Can you say praise God? The message I have, and I'm writing a book entitled, I've Got You Covered. Today in our world, we have social media and they're uncovering everything they can uncover. This is diametri diametrically opposed to the will and the plan of God. God is a covering God. Now the Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. You, as you live long enough, things will be revealed. There's nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. God is a God that is a, a God of revelation. Can you say Amen. That's why he's given you a plan and given us a plan and a place to 
honor him through confession. Now, the, the Catholics have it right to a degree. They believe in confession. But true confession is confessing your sins to Jesus Christ, the high priest of our salvation, not a man. I wish I could forgive sins, but I've never forgiven one sin. I can, I can forgive people's sins against me, but I can't forgive original sin. I can't forgive the sin of a human being. I can only lead you to the one who is the redeemer of your soul. Can you say praise God? So tonight I want to just deal with the topic I've got you covered. In a day when everything is being uncovered and when so many things are brought to bear and you don't know what to believe, you've got fake news, you don't know who to believe or what to believe anymore. So people are going to social media and they're posting different kinds of information but on your knees in prayer, the Bible says, by the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God will show you things to come. And truth is in the Word of God. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth that you know by the revelation of the Spirit, that's what makes you free. And so we need to be free in our spirit. The greatest nation on this planet is not America, the United States, it is not Russia, it is not China, it is not North Korea. The greatest nation is the church. We're a holy people. We're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. And we have the power. And the reason things are, are so confusing to the world is because the church is still here. And realize what has happened, what is happening, it's, it's not going our way. It's because the church still has the power. And so don't ever forfeit the power of the Holy Spirit to whatever's going on in the world. Don't be man manipulated and motivated by the news of the day. This is the news that motivates us. It's the good news, the good news of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? John 10, 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly or to the full. God is a God of fullness of joy. In his presence is fullness of joy, and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, I already know who's on the right hand of the Father. It's Jesus. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's our high priest praying for the church. Jesus isn't praying for sinners. He's praying for the believers. That's what the Bible says. So what we do as Jesus prays for us and our leaders and visionaries equip us, we go after the sinner with the power of the Holy Spirit, and we preach the gospel, and it's, God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save those that are lost. Jesus doesn't pray for sinners. He prays for people like you and I who are in the church to go forth, go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the plan of God. So I don't pray. I don't pray for sinners. I pray. The Bible says this very simply. The steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered of the Lord, and he delights in your way. God sends you to sinners. He doesn't send sinners to you. So I believe in, in being very specific when I preach and teach the Word of God. I'm asking God to send you to that lost person this week. Because they're not, see, they're lost. They can't find their way. But when the light is brought forth through the church, through you, the believer, the light reveals where they're at. And they come to the light. Oh, hallelujah. So I'm praying that every one of you will be led of the Spirit this week 
to somebody who's ready to receive the message of Christ. Because your steps are ordered of the Lord, not theirs. So when you understand that, now we have a great responsibility to go because they can't come until we go. Shout hallelujah. And the thief, see, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So I want to talk about some, and I hope you have a pen and paper because I'm going to do a little teaching here. And then I always get excited and go into preaching because I'm Pentecostal. I was saved and born again and filled with the Holy Ghost when I was six. And I've been filled with the Holy Ghost ever since. And renewed of the Spirit every day. The older I get, the more I realize I need Jesus more now than ever before. Amen. When you're weak, then he's strong. As you get older, you find out you get weaker in the, in the flesh. And even sometimes you lose patience. But you pray and you seek the Lord. Now, thieves come to steal, kill, and destroy, to strip you of your raiment. If you'll read Luke chapter 10 with me, verse 25. We'll start there. Those of, uh, I tell you, I love these new screens that we've had over the years. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Are you here? <laughs> I know you are. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbors yourself. Right. Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now here's the story. This is the crux, and then I'm going to go to the Old Testament. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Notice this. Thieves always want to steal from you and strip you of your covering, your clothes. How many hear me? And I'll take you right from Genesis to Revelation as best as I can and show you that every time something happens out of the anointing and the plan and the purpose of God, it leaves people stripped and naked and uncovered. Hear what I'm about to say. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up. Notice the process of the thief. They take from you. They strip you of that which keeps you safe from the elements. Then they beat you up and leave you half dead beside the road. By chance a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road, passed by. Some people have more important things to do. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Compassion is a key element in reaching people. I want to say that again. Compassion is the key element to reaching people for Christ. Amen. We are people. I'm so glad Jesus had compassion on me. He had compassion on you. Glory to God. Compassion is connected to a word passion. If our passion isn't people, souls, we'll never do anything to reach them. But this church is different. You have a leader that has compassion for people. 
and programs reaching for people. Teams going overseas, doing missions work. That's compassion. It takes money to go anywhere. And yet we go because that is the command of Christ. So this despised Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews didn't get along. Samaritans were a mixed breed of people. Understand. This Samaritan, it just says, a certain Samaritan or despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man he felt, felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If, his bills run, if the bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which one of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus said. Well, it's obvious, the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. So if you have compassion, that means you are going to spend money on helping people. Can you say praise the Lord? But if you don't have money for yourself and your family, the Bible says love your neighbors, you love yourself, but if you don't have enough for self, you're not going to see the need for anybody else. That's why I believe in tithing and giving, tithing and offering, sowing seed, and believing God for finances because God is a God of more than enough. I preached the message one time is, uh, was this, how much money is enough? And I hear people in the church saying, well, I got enough. That's a selfish statement. You don't have enough until you have more than enough. Because my God is a God of more than enough. He's the El Shaddai. He has more than enough. Praise God. He has milk for all the children. The many-breasted one has enough for all people and more. You eat till you're full. But God wants you to take what you have. He wants you to have and walk in the overflow so that others can know that he's a good God and he gives good gifts to his children. Praise God. Well, I'd like to go overseas. I'd like to be over there doing missions. I'd like to help the church more. But it seems like my funds are low. That's the Italian phrase, my funds are low. My God wants to multiply your seed. It's more than just a, a, a message to get you into more money or more stuff or more things. It's about the gospel being preached and spreading the gospel and, and taking the covenant of God so that others can know he's a good God. He's not a God of poverty. The first thing Jesus was anointed to do was preach the gospel to the poor. Why, to keep them poor? No, to bring them out of poverty. Somebody shout hallelujah. Poverty is not of God, it's of the devil. The devil will take from you and strip from you that which God gives you to cover. Exodus twenty two twenty five. hear me. If you lend money to my people, to the poor among you, you are not to act as a creditor to him. You shall not charge him interest. Now that's good business to charge interest, but as people of God, when you lend, if you ever take your neighbor's cloak, hear this, the cloak was a key element of covering because many men would just find a corner or get in some kind of a barn if they were... Uh, you know, away from home, and they'd cover themselves with their cloak to keep them warm from the elements of the day. So what happened was, if you ever take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, and the, and the man says, I, I, want that, I want that article, I want that donkey, he says, well, what do, what do, I, have, what do I have from you as, as a down payment? The man said, I have my cloak. So when a man handed you his covering, his cloak, that means he meant business. 
This covers me from the elements. This keeps me warm. This keeps me from, you know, dying and hypothermia, whatever. So when a man handed you a cloak as a down payment on something, that means to that other person, he means business. Then the Bible says, then you're to return that cloak to him before the sun sets. For that is his only covering. I want you to underline that in your Bible. It's his only covering. It is his cloak for his body. What else shall he sleep in? So the cloak was like a, a large tunic that they could wrap up in almost like a sleeping bag. And it shall come about that when he cries out to me, I will hear him for I am gracious. So if you keep that coat and not return it to him before the sun sets and he cries out to me, I'm shivering, I'm cold. This man is going back on his word and the custom and not giving me my coat back. God said, that's not the plan. My plan is covering. James chapter 1 verse 26, nobody who fails to keep a tight rein on the tongue can claim to be religious. This is mere self-deception. That person's religion is worthless. This is pure and undefiled religion in the sight of God our Father. See, there's only one religion God recognizes and that's right here. What does it say? To visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep ourselves unspotted or unstained from the world. How many see this word tonight? I want you to hear that this, this principle from God is, is an element. How many want to walk in the blessing of God all the days of your life? A lot of preachers resort, and I teach it in my church, about the seed time and harvest. I, mean, I believe that. But there's a principle that if we'll get a hold of it, you'll never walk without You'll always walk in the blessing of God. And nothing will be able to touch you. And so follow this word. See, when, when the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, when we read about that, there was one language on the earth. And they made a plan to build this tower. And really it was about demon worship, devil worship. You had Nimrod involved in some of this. And God said they're going to they're complete their task. They're going to be... They're going to be successful in this plan. So let's go down and confound their language. Because one language meant unity. Everybody can understand one another. They're unified. They have a plan. They have a goal. They're going toward that goal. He said, we'll confound their language. And then when that happened, they had to separate and the nations were formed. The only time that God reversed that and brought one language back was on the day of Pentecost. When they spoke in other tongues. And all the people that were there in Jerusalem at the time of Pentecost, first fruits, was when they spoke in the tongues or languages of those different nations that were there honoring God. And they all said the same thing. They spoke the praises of God in different languages. And when we speak in tongues by the Holy Ghost, we're coming into the unity of the Spirit. Can you shout hallelujah? And so then we go to Exodus 13. The people of Israel as God's leading them out of the bondage of Egypt and the Pharaoh. Then they set out from Succoth and camped in Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by, by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Psalm 105, 39 says, He spread a cloud for a covering. 
and fire to give light in the night. Someone say God covers his people. If God asks you to do something, gives you a command, and you strike out by faith, he's obligated to cover you. He's obligated to protect you from the enemies who will try to come as they change their minds. They're very fickle. Pharaoh was a fickle uh, leader, and he brought his armies against Israel. But the cloud between Israel and the impending judgment of the enemy, the cloud by day, the fire by night, kept Pharaoh and the armies separated from God's people. God covered his people until the sea opened so they could go across dry shot and be saved. God will always cover his plan. And if you're walking in obedience to the plan of God, he will cover you and no evil shall befall you. Psalm 91 is a perfect psalm. He covers you with his pinions or feathers. God loves to cover his people. He loves to protect you. You're his children. There's no difference in someone who loves their own children. I have two grandchildren. Let me tell you something. God forbid anybody try to hurt them. We're going to cover them. We're going to protect them. We're going to nourish them. We're going to clothe them with the right clothes in the right season. Can you shout hallelujah? Come wintertime, they're going to have the right garments on to protect them from the elements. That's who we are. That's the nature of God in us. Can you say amen? This church, look at it. It is a covering for people as we come in to worship him. And the enemy is not welcome in here. We cast him out. We evict him. He cannot come into this house. This house belongs to God. You belong to God. Praise the Lord. And there's safety in this place. Some of you have come in and the world's beat you up. Your job, home life, children gone astray. Things are happening Maybe you're going through a financial dilemma or difficulty, but somehow when you get to church, there's a covering in this place. The anointing's in this place. People pray until there's a glory cloud that comes into this room. Shout hallelujah, and you feel safe. Glory be to God. I preach sometimes, look back and see some folks falling asleep, and I get a little angry. The Lord says, stop it. That's the only sleep and rest they get. He did. He corrected me one time. He said, don't be offended. Grow up, son. That's the only rest that person has gotten in two weeks. When they come in here and everything's loud, everybody's praising God, they're sleeping. What's going on? There's rest and peace in the presence of God and in the house. Now, don't all, go, don't all use this message as an excuse to bring your pill and fall asleep during pastor's message. Because he will come down and he will, he will help you to be awake. Awake thou that sleepest. Job 26.6 says, Hell is naked before him, and destruction hath no covering. No garment, no veiling, no raiment, no vesture. Hell is naked before God, and destruction hath no covering. And you got a world full of people walking headlong into destruction. They have no covering. They don't know where to turn. They think another man is going to be their covering, another woman, another job, another house we got to move out of here. We have a bad reputation. Don't get, your one, get the reputation you have, bad or good or indifferent. Get it straightened out. Get into a good church like this and let God cover you. Let the word of God from the man of God cover you every Sunday, every, every Wednesday, every special meeting. Can you say amen? Children of Israel, Nehemiah 9, 21. Yea, 40 years didst thou sustain them in the wilderness so that they lack nothing. Their clothes wax not old. 
There was not a Kmart to be found or a Walmart to be found or a JCPenney. Forty years, the same clothes. And they looked new. Every time they put them on, they didn't wax old. God miraculously sustained them and covered them and said, you don't need a whole suitcase or wardrobe. Just I'll make that thing look fresh every morning you wake up. That cloak will look like you just pulled it off the rack because I'm God and you will not be naked. Somebody shout hallelujah. And their feet swelled not. Means you got to walk. God kept them well in their walk. Hallelujah. Isaiah 31, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel not of me, uh, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. Is anybody in this place? What happened to Adam and Eve? God covered them with his glory as long as they were in fellowship. Right? When they ate of the forbidden fruit in the middle of the garden, it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I call it the tree of education. Education is a two-edged sword. The problem with America is they started years ago and put these godless socialist professors in our schools. Did you know that the Ivy League schools used to be, they used to put out missionaries and preachers. And they're the most liberal schools right now because they, and that was the whole plan, is to, is to educate our young people out of the anointing. There is no God. God is dead in the 60s. If God is dead, who's this living in my heart? And so what is happening? We've allowed our educational system to uncover and make naked that which God wants to protect. And it starts with the youth. Are you hearing me? How many are hearing this preacher tonight? So Adam and Eve, when they sinned, they hid themselves. When God came at that certain time, in the cool of the day to commune, they were hiding. God said, Adam, where are you? I'm over here, God. Why, have you, why are you hiding? He says, I was, afraid. I was naked and afraid. Notice he knew then he was naked. The devil always wants to strip you of the coverings of God. Throughout all of the, the scriptures, and I'll take you through them. I'll just quickly go over some of those. Who said you were naked? Who told you you were naked? They formed fig leaves to cover their nakedness. They were ashamed. They weren't ashamed before. Why? Because the glory of God covered them. There was no flesh. No flesh glories in his presence when he comes. There was no, there was no embarrassment. No, no, nobody being ashamed. But all of a sudden, now they're ashamed. God said, that's not the covering that I have for you. And then that's when the first sacrifice took place. An, an innocent animal had to give up its life so that the skin could cover the nakedness of man. And men have been wearing, we've been wearing clothes ever since, but the devil still wants to strip us. Is anybody in this place? Thou hast been, see, Ezekiel tells us even about Satan. Notice this about Satan. The very description of, of Lucifer. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God, Every precious stone was thy covering. Your garment, Lucifer's garment in heaven, was like a coverlet, like almost like a bed, a beautiful bedspread, an awning from the sun. And the Bible says the sardius topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the awning, these are precious stones. The uh, carbuncle 
emerald, gold, sapphire. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes were prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. So God even had music and a, and a master choir leader, Lucifer, led worship in heaven. He covered heaven with the glory of God through music. How many are hearing this preacher tonight? So Lucifer's main job was to cover God's throne in heaven with, with praise and worship. So when you come in here, they're up here, how many are, are glad and happy for these young people singing and playing for God? What are they doing, Pastor Tim? Is this a show? No, they're covering this house. If you're in the music department, if you're singing, if you're playing, don't ever come up here and say, well, it's just another song. No, you're covering the house. There's a cloud that goes out and it prepares the people for the word of God to go forth. Unabated, can you say amen? There's a protection through anointed music. There's a covering. So when they start singing, jump to your feet. Oh, we always stand when we sing. Well, stand and praise Him. Because there's a cloud of covering. You might not see it. But when they sing in the glory, there's a covering and it's preparing the house for the Word of God to come into your heart and make a difference. Oh, hallelujah. I'm feeling the glory of God in this house tonight. That's where, that was the anointing of, of Lucifer. The anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. That's why if there's ever trouble that starts in a church, usually it's in the music department. I've been around long enough, and I've talked to enough pastors to say, man, and we, we had some stuff starting to, in the music department. Because people say, oh man, you led a great worship. Don't ever praise someone above God. See, no one was meant to receive the adulation and praise out of their mouth like we should give to God. That's what's wrong with all these superstars and these singers. People flock. They pay big money to see them and hear them. They're gifted of God. But now we put them up above God. And they end up dying through drug overdose, alcoholism, Michael Jackson. You understand what I'm talking about? He had to have something shot up in his veins to even sleep. He had, you know, he had, everybody treated him like a god. He's not a god. He's just a man. He's not, a, he's not anywhere anymore. I don't know where he's at. I hope he's not in hell. All I know is this. We cannot lift the gifts of God above God. We can't worship the creation more than we worship the creator. So when they come up to sing... You can thank them. You can appreciate them, but never worship the worshipers. You should shout louder for the sermon, the message, than you do the music. But they fit hand in glove. One feeds off the other. Praise God. David was not just the king of Israel. He, he was a psalmist. He, he wrote songs and he played the harp and he sang. And the anointing came upon him to still the evil spirits that were in Saul. And then Saul turned and tried to pursue him to kill him. Are you listening to me? Hear the word of the Lord, this, that the Lucifer that we call the devil. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Adam and Eve... I'm asking, what about you tonight? What have you allowed to uncover you? What circumstance of life? What problem? 
Let me tell you, as a pastor, as the older you get, sometimes you get back and say, I don't need this mess. I'm 61 years of age. Sometimes I've been in this thing all my life. Sometimes like, Lord, I don't need this mess. I remember my dad saying one time when we'd heard people, you know, sort of complaining and murmuring. And we went to dad. He says, well, that's why we're here, son. People aren't perfect. My dad always said, people are crazy and the world's full of them. Once you realize that, you'll come to some semblance of happiness. Pastors love sheep, but you have to clean up sheep do. I worked with sheep as a young teenager. I helped shear sheep. I, I bailed the wool. I watched this guy shear him. I had to clean out the sheep pen after the winter. It was, it was that deep. Pitchfork. Here you go. There's the spreader out there. You put it in the spreader. I'm a preacher's son. I'm not a farmer, but they taught me. And I mean, you peel that stuff up by layers. And I mean to tell you about knock you over. Are you hearing me? But you love the sheep. That's what sheep produce. They got to eat, they got to do their thing, and then you got to you, you share them of the wool. And let me tell you, when they were set out of the barn, they scampered and skipped around like, well, thank God that's off. That's the way it should be for offering time. After you get done giving, you should scamper back to your seat. Thank God that, that money's gone. Thank God it's in the right soil. Thank God it's about to produce a harvest. That's why the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. Your financial situation is weighing you down. That's why you need to sow a seed and give an offering. Because when you go back to the sea, say, praise God, I know something's on the way that's multiplied coming back to me. <laughs> Someone say, Jesus will cover us. <laughs> the, man, the maniac of Gadara, they came to the other side of the Gadarenes. It's over against Galilee. And when he went forth, Jesus, to the land... There met him out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and wear no clothes. Hear me. Every time you go through the scriptures, that's what the devil does. He wear no clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. That's what the devil does. When he saw Jesus, he cried out fell down before him and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with thee, Jesus? He knew who Jesus was. Thou Son of God, most high, beseech thee, torment me not. For he, Jesus, had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man, for oft times it had caught him. And, it was, and he was kept bound in chains and fetters, and he brake the bands, and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. Then they went out to see what was done, and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, and it says specifically clothed, and in his right mind. People are in the right mind wear clothes. People who are not in the right mind want to take their clothes off. Are you hearing me? I'm talking about in public. I said I'm talking about in public. And when they came back, they found the man fully clothed and in his right mind. Well, what's that all about? Why would that be specifically mentioned in this text? Because God is about covering people. I think you got the message. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Remember, he said, return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and he published or preached throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. 
And I, I'm pretty sure when they saw him, they said, man, where'd you get those threads? It doesn't even say where, where the clothes came from. Could have been a miracle. An angel came down out of heaven with a specific suit for that man and said, put this on. You're going to be around Jesus. You're going to be properly attired. Can you shout hallelujah? Glory. We want to dress down instead of dress up. Are you listening to me? I'm so glad you're here tonight. It's time to understand that God is a God that covers his people. <laughs> How about Joseph? His daddy gave him a specific coat. It was an anointed coat. And his brethren got mad at him because of the favoritism shown him by his father and the coat. And when his brethren took him, he took, they took the coat off of him. And they ripped it and they put blood on it as if an animal would come and take that boy. They took the coat back to the daddy. Daddy gave him that coat to cover him and say, You're, you've got royalty in you. you. You've got a future. It's a specific coat. This is not just any coat. We didn't just get that off any rack. This is a specific coat of covenant. The devil doesn't like covenant coverings. You know the rest of the story? Can you say amen? That ultimately Joseph fulfilled the plan of God as he stayed faithful to his gift and he ended up in the palace of the Pharaoh with the ring on his hand of authority, with all the regal robes of Pharaoh in Egypt, and the second chariot, the second in command, because of the gift of God in him. Can you shout hallelujah? Somebody say, I'm about to get a royal coat. <laughs> say, I'm about to get a royal coat. The sons of Sceva in Acts 19, they tried to, they tried to work, and, uh, you know, work the spear as they seen, but the devils jumped on them and, and ripped their clothes off. Yeah. I could take you through. Uh, <laughs> God takes care of the birds. They don't have to worry about what they're wearing. A cardinal's a cardinal. A bluebird's a bluebird. An eagle's an eagle, and they all have this coloring on them. God has covered all creation with beauty. They don't have to worry about what they're going to put on we're the ones that worry about all that kind of stuff. It's like you get two women on Easter come in with the same outfit. Sure enough, they're going to run into each other in the foyer. Then they won't talk to each other for a month. Because they thought they had the special garment. Two men come in with the same outfit. They want pictures. They're going to post it. They think that's the greatest thing since, you know, buttered bread. Oh, Bob came in there. How come we had the same suit on? My goodness. We're twins, and they want pictures. Women will stay away. See, it's, it's funny how things happen, isn't it? Personality. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm glad God takes care of the birds. He takes care of us. He takes care of all. Hallelujah. He hath... God said if you have two coats and you find somebody doesn't have a coat, give them one of your coats. Mm -hmm. And don't give them the one you don't want. Give them the one you want to keep. That's the real story. I love this coat. That guy comes, that fella comes across the street. He has nothing. God says, give him that coat. I like this coat. I got another one at home. I'll go. He said, no, get the one you got on and go back home and get another one. Can you say amen? I did that one time, and let me tell you something. I wasn't happy. I gave a guy a coat. I love that coat. I put it on him. He didn't, he didn't ever bought a coat like that, and I never saw a coat like that since, but I gave it to him. You know what? I, I've had plenty of coats. And I still think of that coat, but you know what? I really don't miss it because it's out of style now. <laughs> Hello? It had been in a yard sale. But we don't do yard sales. We just give stuff away. 
Amen? Something comes in style, goes out of style. God wants you to understand covering is the plan of God. Now, I want to finish with one thing. <laughs> How many know that God is a good God? <laughs> See, the Bible talks about our ultimate raiment when you get to heaven. The Bible says we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. So he's going to give us a new body that will never wear out. You talk about time travel. You're never going to have wrinkles again, ladies. Won't have to wear makeup. The beauty of the Lord, the glory of the Lord is going to be your covering. He's going to give you a robe of white, which is the, represents the righteousness of the saints in heaven. How many are looking forward to that? That robe is like none other. Let me tell you, Giorgio Armini cannot even come close to making a garment like what you're going to wear for eternity. Probably uh, woven and threaded with gold. You know, even Jesus, the Bible even speaks of how he dressed. That they, they gambled for his robe. And the Bible says the robe was a very, it was a wealthy man's robe. Woven from top to bottom, it was, it was one piece. It wasn't patchwork. One piece. And when they saw it, they said, you know what, this is too valuable to tear up. Or, or let's gamble for it. So they gambled for the robe of Jesus. Why? Because he wore a robe like a priest wore. And even in the priesthood, there were specific garments of clothing to minister before the Lord. And if you don't think God's not concerned about clothing and about what we wear, just listen to your wife a little more than you do, gentlemen. He's concerned. Now, the last thing I want to say is this, because the whole crux is found in Genesis and Noah. My whole message leads right to this. The book of Genesis chapter 9. Noah comes out of the ark. God gives him covenant promise. I want you to be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Pretty much the same thing he told to Adam, but now... It's a new covenant. It's a new day. So he gets out. He plants a vineyard. The Bible says he comes out of the boat. The sons of Noah came out with him. Shem, Ham, Japheth. Ham is the father of Canaan. From these three sons of Noah came all the people who now populate the earth. Is, are you here tonight? After the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground. He planted a vineyard. One day he drank some wine he had made and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. Now, he wasn't a drunk, he was an alcoholic. So let's get that straight. This is not a text to validate a, a problem you want to keep. So he, he whatever, it just says he planted a vineyard, made some wine, whatever happened to it. He drank it, got drunk, took his clothes off. He's in his own tent laying naked. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and what does he do? He goes out and told his brothers. He tattled. He gossiped. Now I want you to follow this because this is a, this is a powerful, powerful message that God's people needs to, they need to hear. Because we're used to gossiping and telling tales on everybody. We need to keep a lot of stuff to ourselves. 
The church will grow quicker that way. Nobody in this church is perfect. Nobody in my church is perfect. Starting from the pulpit and then to the pew. We deal with our flesh body. We, feel, we deal with our soul. So he goes out. The younger son tells his brothers Shem and Japheth. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, backed in, backed in, and covered their daddy with the robe, not seeing his nakedness. They had respect for the covenant man of God on the earth. Oh, it was dad, but he was more important than just flesh dad. He was 500 years old when he started having these children. Now, here's what I want you to, to grasp with me. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see their daddy naked. When Noah woke up from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his son, had done, his youngest son. Then he cursed Canaan. Who did? Noah cursed his grandson, the son of Ham. May Canaan be cursed. May he be the lowest of servants to his relatives. Then Noah said, may the Lord, the God of Shem, be blessed and may Canaan be his servant. May God expand the territory of Japheth. May Japheth share the prosperity of Shem and may Canaan be his servant. Noah lived another 350 years after the great flood. He lived 950 years and then he died. So this is very serious business. When God puts a man on the earth and he has a covenant with him, no matter what happens or takes place, that's why the Bible has a specific way that we deal with problems in the church. If you have aught against someone, you go to that person between you and them alone. That's what brothers and sisters do. They deal with each other one-on-one -on -one behind, the, behind the scenes. And God wants us to ratchet. See, the news media in America is opposite of God's plan and purpose and principle. We've got to tell everything we know. Some things, they don't need to be told. But God put something in this man. Noah, he was a, he was a man that hated evil. He eschewed evil. He, did, he walked upright before God. He built this ark. He preached 100, 120 years and nobody got saved. He had only eight people in the ark. That's his family. Eight, the number of new beginnings. You imagine preaching 120 years, pastor, and only eight people, you only your family come in, but he was successful. They would not have put his picture, nor the picture of the ark, on the Charisma magazine and said, this is the most successful man of our day. Because it didn't deal with numbers. He had a bunch of stinking animals on that boat, and he had eight people, his family. And when he got off the boat, God honored him because he knew he would lead his family. So God had to have a righteous seed in the earth to propagate the earth. And it, so he doesn't, need any, he doesn't need big numbers. He just needs a righteous and pure seed. So he knew Noah would do that. Now, very quickly... What comes out of Canaan? How many know that Israel battled the Canaanites? God said, I'm going to give you this land. There are people already occupying it, but it's your land. I'm giving it to you, but you're going to have to evict these people. Well, why would God do that? Especially today in this, this heavy message of grace. We'll just share the land. God told him, no, I want you to destroy these people. I want you to kill men, women, children, and their flocks and their herds because it's a bad seed. The blood's not right. Jesus had to come by pure blood, and Shem is in the lineage of Christ. The one that covered his daddy of, of covenant promise, of covenant anointing. I'm not going to look at my dad's nakedness. I don't care what he did. 
I don't, I don't know why he's drunk. All I know is this. That's my daddy, and God spoke to him, and we're saved because of this man's vision and faithfulness to do what God told him to do. I'm not going to run out and tell tales on him. Are you here tonight? What comes out? What sins come out of the Canaanites, which is Noah's grandson and the people that came out of him? Number one, homosexuality comes out of the Canaanite tribes. Now, I know it's weakened. The message is weakened in the church. I could take you through Genesis and Leviticus into the New Testament. Incest comes out of the Canaanite people. Inordinate affection, adultery, idolatry, profanity, bestiality, witchcraft, whoredom, dishonor to parents, murder, stealing, and lying. All of these sins, 13 sins, come out of the Canaanites. And it all started with Ham, trying to be a Ham. But when Daddy woke up, he said, this is not the order of God. Don't tell everything you know. Let me just give you a few little things here. The Hittites, who are the Hittites? They were part of the Canaanite tribe, seven Canaanite nations that Israel faced. They were the descendants of Heth, a son of Canaan, son of Ham, grandson of Noah. And their tribes represent fear to break down, either by violence or by confusion, fear, amaze, beat down, discourage, scare, or terrify. And this is the spirit that's in America tonight. Terrorism around the world. We just, we just observed, what, 16 years of 9-11? And then you've got these hurricanes coming in. Harvey came in, destruction. And they just keep putting it on the news. And they keep rolling and looping the same horrendous story. And, and they're sowing fear. The Hittite spirit is in America manipulating the masses through a spirit of fear discouragement that comes from Canaan doesn't come from Noah and it doesn't come from his sons Shem and Japheth then you have the Gershites passivity they're a native tribe of Canaan to draw away to entice utterly immoral and corrupt decadent vile and base they're a branch of the Hivite family and they're a people of compromise and slothfulness and God speaks against these things the Amorites, pride, they represent pride. Publicity, that is prominence. Thus, mountaineer, it's a mountaineer people near Hebron. Big talkers, boasters, there's jealousy in that group. Control, strife, boastful, sarcasm, scoffing, lying, blasphemy, selfish ambition, vain imaginations. The Bible says we're to cast down imaginations and every high thing that, that uh, exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So the Amorites have to go. The Canaanites, the spirit of rejection. Canaan knew what his grandfather had said to his daddy, Ham, and he knew he was cursed all the days of his life, so he had a spirit of rejection on him. How many people that you know face a spirit of rejection, homelessness, sons and daughters, their father doesn't invest in them. How many know that's a horrible thing in this country is fatherlessness? And you can go on through that humiliation. That means to bend the knee, to bring down, subjection, humble, subdue by force and by that spirit. Then you have the parasites, unforgiveness. They lived in unwalled towns and country villages. Bitterness, hatred, unmerciful, revenge, retaliation. And you've got all of these people and these spirits that prevail and pervade our country. The Hivites, rebellion, hatred, grumbling, slander, critical, stubborn. They come into the church. 
Many times they don't submit to God. They don't come to the altar. They don't kneel. They come in to see the show. They come in and they feel like I'm gifted. They need to recognize my gift. So you have spirits of rebellion. The Bible says rebellion is what? As witchcraft. Stubbornness is as idolatry. Then you have the Jebusites, lust. They were the inhabitants, uh, inhabitants of Jerusalem at that time. They were, had greed. They were thieves. Deceit, adultery, perversion, covetousness. All of these people, these are seven major nations in Canaan that had a curse on them because of what Noah said. And God said, I'm taking my righteous seed and I'm going to give you this land because it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land that I've blessed. It will cover you. It will provide for you. But there are people in the land. They have bad blood and the seed of them is from a spirit of mockery. Ham mocked his daddy. If you have anybody coming to this church and you hear them speak in any mocking tone, slander, and you see them, get away from them. Warn them. This is not the place for it. You don't allow anybody to come in here and mock this man. This is your gift. I said, this is a gift. And people are people. And they'll mock. They'll make fun. They'll make light. They'll make light of the Holy Ghost and the moving of God's spirit. That's the spirit of Canaan. That's the spirit of Ham. Shem and Japheth is about covering. Hallelujah. I said it's about covering. And as I conclude tonight, I just want to pray for everybody. Husbands, cover your wives. Wives, cover your husbands. Don't be calling on the phone and talking about what your husband did. You're uncovering the head of your home. If, if they don't come to church, there's a reason for it. A woman, the Bible says in the Bible, if you live with a man that's not saved, that's not in covenant, but he, he wants to dwell with you in peace, then your anointing and your spirit of covering can bring him to Christ. Yeah. So ladies, if you have a husband, don't be crying about his unsaved condition. Don't be crying about him going to the bar and getting drunk. Don't be crying about this and that. You come to the altar. You get a hold of the pastor's wife. You have someone pray for you in this church that's covered by the anointing. Can you say praise God? And you go home with a smile on your face and you don't preach to your husband. You don't preach to your wife unsaved. You go home with a smile on your face. You serve them with gladness as if you're serving Christ. Hallelujah. And if they ask about the church service, then you can, you can let them in on some things. But don't preach to your unsaved husband. You need to do this and you need to do that. He'll, he'll leave and go with his buddies. Cover your husband. Shout hallelujah. Cover your wife. Can you say amen? Never call her old lady. That old lady I'm living with. I, I was working construction as a, a young man, and I heard these guys, they weren't that old, they are talking about their old ladies they live with. I thought, man, did they marry some old woman? And then I met some of their wives. They weren't old. That was just a phrase they used. I mean, no woman wants to be called an old lady. Praise God. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in your heart thou shalt be saved. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. How many in this house believe that we need to start covering one another? The first, the first thing we need to do is cover the gift of God. Can you say amen? As soon as I came up, I know this place has great teaching. As soon as we came up under the carport, there were men over there covering us. Is there anything we can take in for you? I want you to know that takes a load off. Of, of a guest speaker, of a pastor. That's, that's honor. This man is teaching honor in here. Get a hold of it. It will take you to victory in Jesus' name. 
cover his wife, his children, grandchildren in prayer. The first thing you should pray for is not your own people. Pray for the pastor, the gift. And then out of that, as you honor God's house and God's man and gift, then God will honor your house. That's the protocol. That's the process of God's blessing. How many want to walk in perpetual blessing of God? Then we have to cover. The Bible says love cover the multitude of sin. What does that mean? We don't ignore sin, but we don't announce it. Are you listening to me? I was pastoring, and there was a wedding coming up in my church. And the man, the father, had an affair. And uh, the wife couldn't wait to beat feet after I was done preaching to me to tell me he'd had an affair. Got her phone out, showed me pictures of the, I mean, right, right in the church. Now, I know he sinned. He knew he sinned. He repented. He asked her to forgive him of that. She just wouldn't let it go. He'd come to me, Pastor, and she wouldn't come to me to talk to me or my wife, but he came to try to get some help. He said, I sin. I ask God to forgive me. What more can I do? I don't want to lose my wife. I do love her. A man in a, in a moment didn't do something that he should have done. And, and so she'd sit in that service, and you could just feel that spirit of self-righteousness on her. Pride. How could he do that to me? I do this for him. I do that for him. I felt like saying... Well, I won't tell you what I felt like saying. <laughs> it's time to cover one another. And I'd like to pray. I know you just had a marriage thing, and I know it was great. But I'd like to, how many want this house to have such an anointing on it, even kicking it up several notches in this community yeah. and in Ohio, the state? And in this region, how, how many want this place to be so covered with the glory of God that nobody dares walk in here without being humble before God? But they run to the altar because of the anointing, the covering of God, the cloud by day, the fire by night. I've got you covered. I've not been around this man a lot. He's come to our camp meeting, but I can tell you one thing. He's genuine, and he deserves respect and honor. And I've come to cover him first and foremost. I've come to say, Pastor Dosick, you're a great man of God. There are times he doesn't feel that. But he's done a great work because he's stayed by the stuff. And he's pastored. And he's healed. He's bound up the broken. And he's opened this place up. I've heard the stories where he sees a need and he'll meet the need. It's not always an offering. But it's his offering. It's God speaking to him. I walked into a pizza with my wife some years ago, and there were two businessmen. They're both well-to-do. They know me. When I went to my church, the Lord said, a lot of people in the community see the church like this. Give me, give me. What are you going to do for the church? To them, they only hear money. The Lord said, put something significant in your hand and turn your hand over and open your hand up, and even gravity will help you give. He said, show people a church like this. And this is what you have here. How many are glad you have a church like this? I walked in. These men were eating pizza. And the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, just pick up their tab. Both of them, if they put all their resources and money together, <laughs> I don't know what it would be. It would be a large amount. I simply picked up a pizza tab. And I paid it. And as I was walking in, I said, Pastor Tim. 
What'd you do that for? I said, what? You paid for our pizza. You paid for our meal. I said, yeah. I said, we should be paying for your meal. I said, let me ask you a question. When's the last time a preacher ever paid for your dinner? They looked at each other and said, never. I said, that's the problem. That's the problem. Preacher's always expecting. I said, I'll never be known as a cheap preacher in this town. Oh, we know that. I'm always giving, always giving. High school teams, go up and talk to the coach. Coach, what project are you doing? Well, we're going to do this. I said, well, the church, we're going to give you $1,000 toward that project. They look at you like, oh, you're, you're, you're an alien. Well, we need our, we need our own uh, you know, paint machine for the paint the lines and the, and the logo on the field. And we gave him a thousand. I said, how much is that going to be? He said, I said, well, I'll give you, uh, I'll pay for that machine. So he went and got a machine above that because he had raised money for it. Now he can get a better one because the church gave him the amount needed for the lesser one. Are you listening to me? And you know what that did? Opened up a door for us to go preach or teach and talk to the, the boys on the team. And when he got married... To his second wife, he asked me, could you come up and do the ceremony on the 50-yard line? Amen. So we're preaching to the football team. I could tell you story after story covering our community with the anointing of the gospel. What is the gospel? It's practicality. If it's not practical, it can never be profitable. Right. Shout hallelujah. I've been long enough. i got to let you go because it's school night. But brother, we're going to be better. The church is the greatest nation on this planet. And we're rising out of the ash heap and the ashes of turmoil and terrorism and, and all of this that's going on in our country, division and strife and obstructionists to do what I'm telling you, the church is rising up and you're going to see greater miracles in this place. You're going to see people get saved. You're going to pack this place out probably twice or more before the Lord comes back on a Sunday. I'm going to tell you something because they know when you go to that church, they cover you in prayer. They cover you in support. Hallelujah. They're not just after their own agenda, but they're making my life their agenda. Hallelujah. And we're covering the world. Can you shout hallelujah? Casting devils out of the, out of the people and bringing them into the full clothing of the anointing. Hallelujah. The anointing of God is in this place and we're covering one another in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. How many are ready to change your life to a full scale, full blown covering mode and anointing in this last hour? When someone wants to bring up something of a division, what do you think about this? And I don't like this one. I don't like this politician. Just say, I like Jesus. I voted for Jesus. We got to stay away from this stuff, this pettiness. We got to stay away from uh, any of these racial issues. We got to, let me tell you, we got to stay away from this stuff. Don't be drawn into it. In Jesus' name, Jesus loves everybody. Everybody is somebody to Jesus. Red, yellow, black or white, rich, poor or indifferent. Jesus died for all. We must be a people that covers the world. And this is what this church is all about. I'm going to ask you right now, Pastor, I want to have that anointing on me that Jesus had to cover. The woman taking the act of adultery. Oh, the law said stoner. He said, yeah, we'll stoner. Yeah, I'm for that. That's the law. But before we do that, he stoops down, writes in the dust, not sure what he wrote. He could have wrote dates of the times that the men that wanted to stone her was with her. We don't know. All I know is this. He said, he that is without this same sin, let him cast. You're, you can cast the first stone. And nobody cast the stone because they all were convicted. 
And at the end, there was this half-naked woman and Jesus, and everybody was gone. He said, woman, where are thine accusers? And she said, oh, they've gone. He said, neither do I condemn thee. But here's the real grace message. Part two, go and sin this sin no more. That's grace. There's two parts to grace. <laughs> How many believe that? And God will give you the power to go and not sin anymore. That's real grace. Hallelujah. Not an excuse for sin, but a power to overcome sin. Are you ready? How many want to cover the pastor and his family more than you ever do? And I know you do, but you want you see the need for that right now in this age. And because what's happening is through politics and what's going on is now people are disrespecting and dishonoring authority. And God said that would happen in the last days. And what that does, it creeps it, it comes into the church where people feel like they can open their mouth against the pulpit. We're not going to allow that to happen in Jesus' name. Praise God. And, and I'm going to ask this dear pastor to come and stand with me. This is his church. And, and we're going to gather around and we're going to cover him in prayer right now. I don't know what he's facing. I don't know what he's going through. He's a man of, of the word and integrity. But I want you to come right now and gather around the altar. We're not, I'm not going to ask you to touch anybody. Just come yourself. And I want you to lift your hands to heaven. Say, Father, I, I commit my life in this church to cover the gift that you gave to me. Our pastor and his family They'll never have any lack or need from us. We're going to cover them in prayer. Stretch out your hand. Now I know his wife is at home, and she, uh, she had a busy Saturday. She needs refreshing in her body. She needs a touch. I pray for her. What's her first name, Pastor? Phyllis. I pray for Sister Phyllis. Pray for her right now in the Holy Ghost. God will touch her from her head to her feet. Restore and renew. Strengthen. Refresh. Touch every vital organ. Touch her blood. Even now the anointing goes out of here and is covering her. I feel like she's feeling a refreshing. It's 8, 8.30. 3 and a refreshing is going out of her. The sister Phyllis. I lose a refreshing to this dear pastor. I am honored to be here with you. I count it an honor and a joy and a privilege to stand in this house. The many years and the work and the sacrifice that you put in. And you look back and you say, Lord, it could only be you. You gave me the strength, the wisdom, and the knowledge. But I pray now for my dear brother, Pastor Peter Dosick, in Jesus' name, that there be a supernatural strength and power that comes to him a greater level of wisdom by the Holy Ghost, greater levels of knowledge, discerning of spirits. He has come. He prays. He prepares. He's empowered to bring the Word every week to this house. He's empowered, hallelujah, to protect, to cover the sheep. Glory to God, hallelujah. He knows, He knows the sheep. Oh, he knows what a sheep is, the characteristics and attributes of a sheep. He also knows the goats. He also knows cows. He also knows who the wolf is. When the wolf comes in, a pastor knows and can discern immediately if it's a wolf or not. 
Glory to God. This is a shepherd. Oh, this is toy main. This is a gift of God. Hallelujah. That he's given this house. Never take that for granted. Oh, pray every day that you pray for your pastor. Hallelujah. That God's going to do greater things in Bunkins, Ohio. Because there is an anointing of covering. There is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the pillar of fire by night. The pillar of cloud by day. The Holy Ghost is in this house. Hey! Glory to God. Hallelujah. No plague shall come nigh this dwelling. Glory to God. We quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. Oh, Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is your first day. I felt something. I felt something special about you. God led you here because you have great need. Can I go to any church and find a word? You found a church with covering. You've been uncovered so many times in your mind. You're wondering who's real. Who has? Who would have my back? You've had people just uncover that you're in the right place. This is Michael. Mike, this is your first service here. And I felt something when I saw you. That God has ordained you for this time and this moment and this church. Hallelujah. Do you have any church background at all? You do. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? You accept that. Just stretch out your hand toward this precious brother. You married? Have children? Praise God. Is your family here or just you? Just one of my daughters. Just one of your daughters. This is a new day and a new beginning for you. Praise God. Praise God. Is your dad still living? He is. You have a good relationship. You do? Pretty good? I want to encourage you, start doing things to honor your dad a little more, no matter what he's done, no matter what years or what experiences. God's going to show you how to honor your father. And it's going to release such a, a peace and anointing on you that you've never had. And you're going to walk in a, in a different level of peace. So I lose peace to your mind, to your family. Amen. Praise God. God's going God's to create a, a, that feeling that says, you know what? I feel at home. It's a big church, but I feel at home here. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands and thank Him. He, he knows you. You have, a, you have a steady job. You do. I'm just going to loose the anointing of God for greater finances. Amen. Tithe and give, even if you feel like you can't do it anyhow. Hallelujah. One penny out of every dime, one dime out of every dollar, one dollar out of every ten. That's not much, is it? God never has tax increase. It's always the same. And God will honor you as you tithe and give. 
this is good soil here. It didn't get big just because it's the latest and great. It got big because people stayed true to the seed. And the seed produces multiplication. And you're a part of that in Jesus' name. had a baby. I lose strength to her in recovery and a renewal in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I thank God. I feel the anointing on you. Hallelujah. You play the instrument? But God sent you this church and he says it's high time that you put roots down in a good full gospel church and not move till he comes. The next move you ever make should be the glory by way of the rapture because I believe you're young enough you'll see it the Lord wants you to put roots down and never move that's what your family needs stability in faith in Jesus name good to see you good to meet you amen this is a great man right here hallelujah he's a true pastor glory to God lift your hands one more time the Lord touch you and heal you strengthen you bring peace to you in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. Don't let that thing bother you no more. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God knows every detail of that which has come against your mind. And it's all a lie. So come in and rejoice. You're in a place of covering. You're in a place of anointing. Hallelujah. Yes. The joy of the Lord is your strength. With joy shall we draw waters from the wells of salvation. <laughs> in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand, there's pleasures. Jesus is the pleasure of heaven. He's the pleasure of the Father. And we're in Christ, and Christ is in us, the hope of glory. So we're the pleasure of God. You're the pleasure of God. Be at peace and let joy prevail. Hallelujah. I pray now that God extend your life. Give you more years than you ever thought he would give you. To see greater things. Stop letting the devil beat you up. Because of the past. You're in a good place. What's your first name, sir? Charlie. Charlie. Charlie, I loose the anointing of Jesus. To touch you from your head to your feet. Your vital organs. Your heart chambers of your heart, the bowels of your heart, the arteries. In Jesus' name, God strengthen, God strengthen you. Take three deep breaths. Your lungs. One more time. Your lungs be filled with peace. Tell it right there. Huh? Bless God. Bless God. I felt the anointing come into your lungs. Praise you, Jesus condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Is this your home church? Yes, sir. Amen. You're in, a, you're in the right place. <laughs> it's your husband. Amen. Glory to God. Praise God. Praise God. God. Glory to God. Hey, hey, hey. 
Hallelujah. I appreciate you, Brother Eric. You're a man of excellence. You're, you're hooked and connected to the right man. Amen. God blesses you. And you're going to experience greater blessing. In the next two years, things will just uh, expand and explode for you. Glory to God in Jesus' name. Because of your faithfulness and your spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I love you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for coming, Tim. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. I honor you. And I would simply ask before I sit down that you would just lay hands on me and pray for me. I receive that. Father, in the name of Jesus. God, we just infuse right now, God, the spirit of favor. And God, we unveil it. And God, we loose it in through his community. And that God, men and women from the north, the south, the east, and the west, God, will be drawn, Father, to this church. That God, he will begin to explode. That God, he will begin to enlarge. And God, I loose a spirit of faith upon him. And God, a demonstration or proclamation of the living Christ, I loose, God, right now, the gifts of the Spirit to manifest, unveil their self in the name of Jesus. God, we loose right now in Jesus Christ. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Great. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was a fresh word from God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. As you're going back to your seat, we're going to bless Tim coming and depositing a word like that in our house. And uh, we'll not be the same. Amen. will not be the same. Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, so let's get your offering ready for uh, Tim. And as we give this, you know that it's going to be given back. But the Bible tells us to communicate with those that communicate the gospel. That it's like as they tread out spiritual bread and spiritual corn for our lives, that we honor them with our carnal things or with the things that God has put in our hand. So we give our best because God sends us his best. And this was really a word from God for us, for our lives. Time to cover, a time to cover in a world that is unveiling the weaknesses and the wrongs, the shortcomings of people. We are people that cover and lift up men and heal. Praise God. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, I agree with every seed that is being sown tonight, seeds of honor, God, into Tim's life. And God, let this offering be a blessing to him. Let it show our gratitude and our gratefulness for the gift that you've put in him and for the word that has changed us. And God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Stand your feet and bring your offering unto the Lord. Sunday morning, praise God. We'll see you at 10 o'clock and uh, bring somebody.
God is going to be doing great things. We love you. Go with God because he's going with you.